Welcome to the PL Search Podcast, where we highlight and explore CMCSS professional learning journeys. I'm your host, Amanda Nix, Professional Learning Coordinator, and I'm joined in each episode by Brian Hampton, who facilitates our professional learning management system. Listeners, what if we told you there's a program for native English speakers in kindergarten through fourth grade, where these students learn the grade level state standards for math, reading, social studies, and science, and they do it all in Spanish. Amanda, I think you and I had the same reaction when we learned about this program. It was like, wow, insert mind blown emoji. I mean, we often hear about the many benefits of learning a second language, such as improved memory, greater ability to multitask, as well as a more durable, longer lasting attention span. But as we learned, that's just the beginning. In today's episode, we get to hear about a learning journey driven by outside the box thinking with a superpower. That superpower is language immersion. Come along with us as we get a first class introduction to the CMCSS Spanish Immersion Program. Hey, welcome, guys. Let's start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. We'll start with you, Helen. Hi. Thanks, you guys, for having me on today. Um, so my name is Helen Nicholas, and I am principal of Spanish Immersion at Barksdale, which is a school of choice here in the Clarks Montgomery County School System. And so I am tasked with the privilege of, of leading about 235 students in grades K through 4 um, here, where we deliver instruction in the target language of Spanish. So I've been working for Clarks Montgomery County Schools since 2002, and so I've done lots of different things. I was a kindergarten teacher for a while and then also an academic coach and then became an administrator. Okay, Carlos, you have a really different background. So why don't you share that with our listeners? Yes. In 2004, we moved here from Puerto Rico. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. So we have been here for almost 18 years. Um, so yeah, we came from Puerto Rico. I was a teacher there, started working for Montgomery County in 2005, became an ESL teacher at Kenwood Middle School and Kenwood High. So I was split between the two schools. I have worked everywhere, <laughs> started high school, middle school, then became elementary. And I fell in love with the uh, elementary. And then the Spanish immersion came about and I say, um, Miss Nicholas, please, 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 please let me be in there. And um, here, here we are five years later. Wow. So what grade do you teach? Tell our listeners that. Kindergarten. Have you done kindergarten all five years? Yes. Kindergarten is my jam. That's what, where I feel comfortable, where I can be myself. I can be the, the, the Spanish immersion teacher that I want to be. Going from a, from high school setting to elementary school, how long did it take for you to realize this is the place? I think as soon as I stepped in into the classroom in elementary setting, I think that was like, oh, so this is elementary. Once I stepped in as an ESL teacher, um, I realized I think elementary is the setting that I'm looking for. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved the kids in the middle school and high school, but I found my niche in elementary setting. So, I mean, that was a, the, the, the biggest thing that I, that I had decided to do, being an elementary teacher. Excelente. Seis palabras en nuestra oración. Ok. 
One thing that's neat is I think just like how huge our district is and how all of our paths cross some way or another. So the year before we started Spanish Immersion, I was at Minglewood and that's where I met Carlos because he was the ESL teacher there. Um, and so I think it was just neat that we happened to meet that year. And then the very next year we were starting this program and and he was able to come over with me as a kindergarten teacher. So it's been great. It's been it's been wonderful to watch um, Mr. Gonzalez transform into that. You know, he's famous around here. I mean, everybody just flocks to him and the parents and the students. And we we joke with him and tell him that he's our, you know, our famous teacher. But um, just to see that he's totally embraced that classroom teacher where before he done, ever had that experience, he just he, I think with his personality, though, getting to make that connection with that larger group of students and families is is really where he needs to be. Is the island life. That's what it is. That's how <laughs> that's how we that how, that's how we are in Puerto Rico. You you you're part of my niche and I'm gonna bring you in and I'm gonna love on you and that's that's part of probably what it is. The island the island thing. So Helen, will you share a brief history of the Spanish immersion program and CMCSS for our listeners? Sure. I first heard about the possibility of this program. Um, at the time, we had a different um, director of schools. And so he had been a director in North Carolina. And so we're dual language is huge in North Carolina. So he had this idea to bring it to Clarksville. And so they partnered with a um, kind of a consulting company based out of Michigan, and it's called Adalingua. And so they really guided us on parent meetings to get interest, um, curriculum, how to, you know, I had, I had only taught English, you know, so it was just a lot to navigate. So we started with some parent interest meetings. We decided that we were going to have two classrooms of 20 students and two assistants. So we started with just five you know, five staff members. We now have 25 staff members, but we started with just five. And we're really, that first year we were like, are we going to get 40 students to, to agree to do this? But we did. And so every year the program has grown. It, for a while, it was by two classes every year. And then last school year, we decided to start adding three classes. Um, and so that's how we started. We worked very closely with Adalingua as far as, you know, what order to, to introduce things and how to get children to acquire a second language. Um, a lot of people, I think, sometimes have a misconception that we're teaching English language learners such as EL programs that our district has, which it's quite the opposite. So we're teaching native English speakers Spanish. And so um, it's a whole different process. So basically, we're immersing them in the language of Spanish. So we had to learn to do that, how to do that, because that was not something that we had been trained to do. Um, so we had a lot of professional development and kind of learned how to switch our way of thinking with instruction. But so, like I said, we started with two classrooms and now we have 12 classrooms, so K through four. So Carlos, you've been with the Spanish Immersion Program since its inception as a kindergarten teacher. So will you tell us how does your kindergarten class compare to other kindergarten classes within the district? How different? First of all, we speak Spanish all day long. So we we're uh, we're touching you know uh, the Tennessee standards, but we are immersing them in the Spanish. So we are doing a dual labor here because you know we we're trying to teach the things that they need to learn in kindergarten, but we're doing it in Spanish. So that was makes makes us a, a little bit different. Also, um, we're introducing culture into part of the of the Spanish immersion program. So we talk about Puerto Rico, we talk about Mexico, and um, we talk about. Cuba. Um, let me see what else. Uh, 
Guatemala. I mean, we talk about all these countries that Spanish is spoken. So th there is a culture element also in the Spanish immersion program. So that's I think that's one of the, the differences that you know makes us. And we speak Spanish all day long. <laughs> so you're teaching those same Tennessee State standards. It's day one of kindergarten. Where do you start? Well, I mean, we, we give them a base in, in English to make sure that they understand what the expectation is for each one of them. Um, but then we we I start taking away the English and introducing the Spanish. So it, it, it is a step-by-step a -step thing that we do. I don't just go with Spanish all day long. Mira, tienes que prestar atención. La, 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 la. They're going to look at me like I'm talking German, um, but I'm talking Spanish. Um and so it, it's a gradual thing that we do. The expectations are explained in English so they understand what the expectation is. But then we start introducing the Spanish language and they make the connection. So uh, that's, that's how we do it in the classroom. So we started with the English base and then we started adding the Spanish. And then once I feel comfortable understanding, okay, my kids understand what the expectations are, then we introduce the Spanish full on. La Enfermera, enfermera ayuda, ayuda a, a los, los enfermos. enfermos. I have so many questions. I know, and, I do and, too. This just my head's exploding. It's, I, I, so when, when Amanda and I were preparing uh, for this, she had mentioned the state standards. And that just blew my mind because I thought, wow, yeah, they have to teach to the standards and they're doing this through Spanish. And so I'm just curious, is there some point, when does that point typically come when you sort of shift from mostly English and getting this foundation in Spanish, kind of a little Spanish, little English, and then you push over into mostly Spanish? What does that look like? I'm sure that it's different for different students. I can speak to that. Um, so they give us a timeline. So mm -hmm. um, and so in kindergarten, they re really to make this happen, children's brains are sponges, first of all, whatever you whatever you put in front of children they are going to achieve it. So, it, I mean, if they have the buy-in, um, they can do it. Um, but we do have a, a timeline. And so we'll say after this amount of weeks, the teacher is not going to instruct in English. They're just going to instruct in Spanish. After the next timeline, you know, the expectation is if um, the content has been taught, we expect the child to respond to a question in Spanish. And so and that's pretty soon. That's after like six to eight weeks. So, for example, if if Mr. Gonzalez is teaching the sound of the letter M, M in Spanish. So we know that and we know that they've learned their vowels in Spanish as well. So if he asks them a question pertaining to that in Spanish, then they respond in Spanish. Um, we teach them, there's phrases that we teach them. There's a phrase every week that we teach them. Of course, the first phrases are very like needs-based phrases, like, can I go to the bathroom? Help me, please. Um, that kind of thing. So it's really laid out pretty specifically to where they are able to communicate their needs in Spanish pretty early on. And then they also have something called their English necklace or their English hat or whatever. We really try not to break that commitment to the language because we we want them to realize that that's what they're here for. They've been tasked with something extra special and they're going to do school in Spanish. But there's just sometimes, I mean, we're in elementary school and sometimes things just go crazy or things are haywire and the teacher just needs to put their English necklace on or their English hat on and say, okay, I'm putting this on. We're going to talk in English for a second, you know, let me explain what's going on or let's let's come back together and I feel like we're all lost, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then we've also been blessed. The program is 
has got assistance in grades K through two. And so we're really blessed to have two sets of hands in those classrooms. And so that's really helpful when there's a meltdown, you know, because that happens or when, when there's a level of frustration or someone's not feeling good or something like that, that person can take that, that child out into the hallway and, and speak to them in English and figure out what's going on if they're not able to communicate their needs in Spanish. But with that being said, after kindergarten, first grade, they don't speak English. We don't speak English in the classrooms. I mean, we just speak Spanish and, and that's just the way it is. And, and like I said, they rise, they rise to the occasion. Um, they know that that's what's expected. So they do it. So I think kindergarten is that introductory phase of the program. Mm-hmm. Well, once once they acquire that language, oh, heavens, it's like amazing. You see them in the whole week talking Spanish to each other. And then now I see my fourth graders once in kindergarten, now they're in fourth grade. And, and how we're like, whoa, this is you? You're talking Spanish? Oh, my gosh. So it, it is that transition. It's amazing. Uh, seeing them from that introductory phase in kindergarten and then now in fourth grade and, and they're producing lang- language in like nobody's business. So it's, I, I just love it. I love that. So Carlos, what do you think are some of the benefits for students enrolled in Spanish immersion? One of the things that it opens their eyes that they, you know, there's world out there. You know, there's people that just like them, but they speak a different language and, and they go through the same situation. That, so it, it creates empathy. And that's what I love about it is that we open their eyes and, and and they actually take that home also and teach their parents. And, and so it, it opens their eyes. And, and so showing empathy and having them uh, translate that into their everyday life, I think that that's one of the benefits of the program. I'm so glad that you shared that and pointed that out because a lot of times when people talk about dual language learning, there's this big emphasis on kids who learn two languages are better at math, but empathy. I mean, it's so foundational. I mean, to me, that being a good person, I think, is more important than speaking two languages, treating people the way, like I tell my kindergartners, treat others the way you want to be treated. You know, respect others. You show respect, you get respect back. So th- those, you know, life lessons that I try to teach them while in my in my classroom, that's what I, I try to incorporate. Yes, the language and reading in Spanish and writing in Spanish, that's amazing. But being a, being a good person, being a good human being, I think that's more important. When these kids are learning things like, uh, you know, vowels and, uh, you know, the the building blocks of language and they're learning it in Spanish, How does that translate down the line for their understanding and appreciation of their native language? Last year, our oldest group, we call them our pioneer class, they took their first state test and they took it in English. Um, And I knew they were going to do great just because they're a great group of students. Um, And and at that point, we were only um, in third grade. We started teaching one subject area in English, and that was social studies. Um, So they took all three state tests in English without any instruction in reading, math, or science in in English all year. So everything that we taught them was the same standards, but it was all in Spanish. And they took the state test and they did wonderful. They did fantastic. They had some of the highest scores in the grade level for the district. Um, And so it just showed you, to me, it just proved that like the concepts are the same. It's it's just in what language that you're reading it in. I mean, so if they understand a concept, they're going to be able to apply it. Now, of course, did they have to be able to read it? Yes. Um, Did they have to, you know, understand vocabulary words? Yes. But our languages are so similar. A lot of those root words are are the same. And so they're just able to, to apply those principles. I'm still learning new things because unlike Carlos, I grew up in 
my mother is Hispanic. And so she spoke Spanish to me at home. And then my father was American. So, but I went to school in Clarksville. So I didn't grow up um, and learn Spanish through school. I was just kind of taught at home. And, you know, my mom did teach me how to read and, and write in Spanish. And then I did take some classes, you know, in college in Spanish, but I had a very different experience. And so a lot of the vocabulary, the academic vocabulary I'm picking up as these children are picking up. And so I was in a fourth grade class the other day and they were doing the area model of division. And I mean, just wow. the vocabulary <laughs> that they're learning. I mean, in the, in, and it's in Spanish. And so I learned a new word just the other day for remainder in Spanish. So, um, Como se dice remainder in español? Redondo. <laughs> Redondo. So, ah. Did I say that right, Mr. Gonzalez? Yes. Um, and so um, they can do it. I mean, they and they understand, okay, that means that's left over, you know, and that kind of thing. And so we have had to make some tie-ins and, and some anchor charts. And we do sometimes send some things home um, just so that, you know, parents, our parents are, are great and we're blessed with great parents and they want to support their children, but they also can kind of help make some of those those connections. But the concepts are the same. So the processes are the same. They're just able to master it. It, it transfers. It, 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 the languages just transferring to each other. So, it, you know, if they have a good base in their first language, which is English, the other language will come so easy. So it's very crucial. We tell our parents it is very crucial that their first language is super strong because that helps. As as we we uh, witness with the with the testing, you know, we witness they, that there. It's like an ESL uh, prompt. When your language, your first language is strong, acquiring a new language is easy or it becomes it becomes easier i should say <laughs> it's easy um but it is i mean that's that's a premise that i i carry with with myself is just the stronger the first language is the transfer to the other language will be easier and that's something we tell our parents like we don't want you to go home and try to teach school in spanish like let the teachers handle that. They are the experts. We know that you do not speak Spanish. You know, we are not <laughs> expecting you to like do Duolingo and figure it out. So we just ask them to read to their, we read to your students at home in English. And that's where they're going to pick up that vocabulary that they're not getting in the classroom. And so we just really encourage them read a combination of fiction, nonfiction books so that they're picking up. They're going to listen to you read. They're going to hear those words. They're going to see those pictures they're going to make connections to things that they're learning at school. And, and that's how that gap is going to is going to be bridged. So, Helen, let's back up to you. You spoke about that in third grade, they were taught social studies in English mm-hmm. and now they're fourth graders. Mm-hmm. So what does fourth grade look like? So our goal is by the time they get to fifth, that it's 50 50. So um, what we're doing this year, so it's kind of hard to split four major courses into a half of a half. So what they're doing this year in fourth grade, they're still doing social studies in English. And then they also have, um, and then we also have, and we had this last year too, we have something called English specific skills. And so the way I would describe that is really just like phonics based because the English language has so many like phonics rules and exceptions and grammar rules. So they have that unit of study as well every week um, in English. And then um, they also vocabulary, which I talked about a little bit, is really big. I mean, you, you've you got to have a vast vocabulary to understand and comprehend text. So we have added a component of the ELA block, just vocabulary focused in English. So um, it's not quite half their day, but it's not quite a quarter of their day. So we're just increasing. And then next year, we're going to have math and social studies in English. We really want to continue that reading in Spanish because 
I feel like they need that to remain fluent. You know, you can read. There's lots of reading in social studies, which is why we decided to go with with social studies. And math will be an easy transition for them. Um, but I really just in order for them to remain fluent and and have that level of vocabulary, they still need a heavy content area in Spanish in order to keep up their skills versus if we would have done ELA and social studies in English and then just left math. So that's why we made that decision. So what's the plan for these students after fifth grade? Well, <laughs> once which will be so very sad when that first class leaves us. So the district is talking about there is going to be an option for them in middle school. It's not 100% ironed out what that will look like. And, you know, as you get older and you get into not so much middle school, but high school, you think about like graduation requirements and, and of course, tests and that kind of thing. Um, but so there will be an option for them to continue their dual language experience. Not sure exactly what school it's going to be at just yet but they will have an option to continue that for at least one or two class periods a day because they're going to if they want to if they want to maintain that level of proficiency that our students have it's going to be beyond just a Spanish one-on-one class it's going to have to be in a content area class as you were talking about having options as they move into 6th grade i just think it must be exciting for you um just knowing what's going to happen down the line i'm excited to think about what the future holds for them because I think of the job opportunities in this town or even beyond this town. I mean, sure. they're not just, they're past conversation. I mean, they, you know, they're way past conversation level. I mean, they could completely go do their profession, you know, by the time they graduate from the university, and everything, they could, they would have that proficiency to do their profession, um, you know, in a, in a Spanish speaking country. And that's, that's super exciting if that's what they want to do or thinking about if they want to be a nurse or a doctor or a firefighter or whatever, and thinking about what barriers they could break down with communication divides, you know, even in our community, how exciting that is. Um, parents always just love to share. And they're so sweet to, to share stories with us about they were at a store or at a restaurant and there was somebody that didn't speak English and our students, they'll pick up really quickly. Oh, that person, you know, is speaking Spanish and they'll tune into that. And I'm, I've, you, I can't tell you how many stories where parents will say we were at Walmart and, you know, somebody needed help and so-and-so was able to translate for them. I mean, in the second grade, that's amazing. So it's just really exciting to think about where our students, what's ahead for them, what lies ahead for them. So something that you touched on, you you mentioned parents just then. How do you support families with students in the program since most of those parents are not Spanish speakers? What are there special things that you have to do? Mr. Gonzalez, you want to share about like videos and that kind of thing? And then I can. I mean, we, we share videos and things like little things like that. But we also we have tutoring services for the kids. So mm -hmm. we, we have it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, Miss Nicholas. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. They come in here and, you know, those that are struggling a little bit, they come in and they get the extra help um, with parents. I mean, we communicate constantly. You know, my what I do is whenever they have a question, I will answer it as much as I can, as much as I can in, 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 in the availability that I, that I have. But that communication with the parents is, just helps so much. One thing that we do is we have parent meetings. Um, and I think that's just something that we're fortunate. We're a small school, so we're able to do that. And initially, we always did them in person. And so we would have quarterly parent meetings. And then, you know, we had some COVID restrictions. So we moved those to Zoom. 
And then this year was actually the first year that we brought back um, in-person meetings. And so basically we just kind of let parents know, you know, what we're doing, what we're learning, simple ways that they can help at home. Um, But like I said, lots of times the ways that they can help at home are in English. So it may be, you know, we really need you to work on multiplication, you know, facts with your students or in kindergarten, though, at the beginning of the year, we'll send home all the letters and then how to pronounce them in Spanish and that kind of thing. Because parents do, I mean, they want to participate and they and they want to be supportive. So we just try to find easy ways that they can they can help at home. But we really do leave the harder stuff to us just because it, it's a different language. And so we want we want them to be able to hear the teachers pronounce things with their native dialect. And so we do. And I mean, we, we have the same funds that all schools, you know, get. But we just try to use those strategically um, for before and after school tutoring because all students learn at different rates. And so that's one thing I think sometimes is a misconception. You know, we don't expect perfection. You know, we know that everybody learns at a different rate. And so if we feel that there's somebody that needs, you know, extra sessions before or after school, we have staff members that are gracious enough to do that. And I think you do have to have that buy-in of staff that, you know, we're all in this together. And so they're willing to work after a full day um, in order to meet the needs of those students. Um, But we also have the same supports that all the other schools have. We're held to the same um, expectations. You know, we have the RTI squared model. So we have students in intervention if if they're needing that. Um, So we really just try to provide those supports that you wouldn't naturally in an academic student uh, setting if a student was was struggling. Um, but I think it does help that we have those parent meetings um, so parents are aware of what's going on. Um, I think it's a, a good time for them to make connections with the teachers also and have that opportunity to ask questions if there's something that they're not sure about. So Helen, you, you spoke about your teachers and how they are the language experts. So what are the degrees or backgrounds of your teachers? Well, it we've also kind of learned all this as we're going through. So to teach in Tennessee, in elementary school, you've got to have a K-5 certification. So not only are we looking for teachers with a K-5 certification, we're also looking for teachers with that certification that are bilingual to the degree where you can teach that content with that native proficiency. So that has been a challenge for us. And thank goodness I've been in the district for a long time because I have uncovered every person I've known that I've ever worked with and said, hey, do you want to come work for me? And so eventually, though, that ran out. Um, And so we thank goodness that the teacher residency program came along. And so we've gotten to to get under that umbrella. And so currently I have three teacher residents, one in a one year program and then two in the three year program. And I have two actually this year teaching for me that that just finished the one-year residency program from Lipscomb. So um, it just depends. Some of them, like Mr. Gonzalez, he had a, you know, he had a teaching degree from Puerto Rico, but then I've got some that maybe had a degree in business from Colombia or, you know, a degree in English from Mexico. And so we've had to do some creative things with job embedded licenses and teacher residencies. But again, I think we're just all a team and and we support each other. Um, and so we've we've been able to be successful with with staffing our building so far. So, Carlos, what for you are some of the greatest highlights that you've experienced in this program so far? Wow. Um, having kids with like zero Spanish skills and all of a sudden start reading in Spanish and comprehending. Oh, my gosh, that is like. That's as a teacher, that is the best pay ever. It's worth a million dollars. Seeing that all the work that you put in and you see it's working and it's 
I mean, it's making sense to them and, and it's, it's just they can put it into practice. That's to me, that's a highlight. Seeing my kids in the hallway and talking Spanish, having conversations with them, <laughs> it doesn't get better than that. You know, it's just all the hard work that we have put in for these past five years has, you know, come to to this. We have a fourth grade class that they're very proficient in Spanish and and seeing all the all the kids, like every morning I have gazillion kids from other grades coming into my classroom to say good morning to me because you know we have created those relationships so the, the, creating those relationships with the kids to me is like making them feel like they are worth it and it just to me is like it, it makes makes a highlight every single day that they come into my classroom they feel comfortable to come in my classroom and say good morning buenos dias and then leave and have an amazing day that to me is like it's a highlight every single day Thank you so much for sharing that. And so, Helen, how about you? What uh, what's been a major highlight for you? I think one of the like one of the huge benefits of my job is I get to see the students throughout their whole career. You know, and so we're very fortunate. We know we ask um, parents to you know to make that you know six year commitment um, when they start with us, if at all possible. And we tell parents, I'm not going to, we're not going to have your child be proficient in Spanish in one year. You've got to give us more time. So of course, we've got the military and, you know, sometimes job offers of a lifetime come up. But for the most part, our children are not transient. So the children that, you know, that we have, we started with them in kindergarten. Um, and so I think that is a huge highlight for me because I'm able to see their growth, even socially, but socially and academically. And so that's, that's really great for me to see. I can think of children that were just very shy and not very confident in kindergarten. And, you know, I can see them now in a third or fourth grade classroom and they are just participating and answering questions with so much confidence. I think another highlight is just the community that we've built, you know, with our families and our teachers and our students. Um, They're, you know, always willing to jump in and help and support us with anything that we, you know, that we need or or desire. Um, But a huge highlight, I just have to be honest, was the data when it finally came came in last year. I mean, it was just like proving to, you know, to us that what we did worked, you know? And so I know probably a lot of people thought we were crazy when we did this, um, but just showing that it worked and that our students were able to do school. We we say they do school in Spanish. They were able to do school in Spanish, but then still perform with traditional English learning peers on the state assessment. So I think that was a very proud moment for me and really just so proud of my teachers and all the hard work that they put in um, and, and so proud of my students because they are amazing as well. It's definitely a testimony to the great things that you guys are doing inside your school. So what are the next steps? So you've got your fourth graders. So what are the next steps for Spanish immersion? Well, we've got our fourth graders. So next year we'll be we'll be capped out at fifth. And so that'll be exciting just to kind of see that first class go all the way through. Um, I think we're always, you know, looking for ways to to improve. And so even things that we started with, you know, at the beginning in kindergarten, um, we've decided, you know what, research has changed and things have changed. And so we're going to change this. Like, for example, we changed our um, our phonics program this year in grades K-1 and 2 because research is telling us that there's a, you know, a better and more efficient way to do this. So we're constantly learning and trying to improve because we want, you know, better outcomes for our students. But we're just going to continue to work hard and and love our students and help them love the language of Spanish. Mr. Gonzalez? This is what I do it. I do it not for the pay. I do it because I I love 
this is not a job. This is something, a dream come true for me. When I moved from Puerto Rico here, I say, man, they will be awesome if I can teach in my language, my culture, the Tennessee standards. That would be amazing. And all of a sudden, it came true. So to me, coming to work is a delight. I just enjoy it to the fullest. What I hope for this program is to continue on into the, you know, the the upper grades, the middle school and the high school and see that the, the all the hard work it paid off. But yeah, this is to me is this is what I do and I love it. Okay, Brian. So the joke is that I cry almost every single episode. And I think when I'm like, we're planning it out, we're making the questions. I'm like, I probably am not going to cry in this one. Nope, you got me. (laughs) (laughs) Your enthusiasm. I mean, it's just absolutely infectious. I'm so excited for your program. And I'm so happy that you shared so much information with us and our listeners today. So if somebody's interested in having a student participate in the Spanish immersion program, what do they need to do? So I can't believe it's already time to start thinking about our fall kindergarten class. Um, So we will be having an interest meeting on December 6th at six o'clock. And we have that every year. And so it's it's my birthday. Feliz cumpleaños. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so that is just, it's just what it's called. It's an interest meeting and we just kind of share um, about our school um, and explain to them, you know, how we do things. And then we explain the application process. And like I said, we started out with two classes of 20. And so now we do have three classes of 20 and the slots are awarded through a lottery. So the program is open. It's a school of choice. So it's open to anybody that resides in Montgomery County. Um, and so those, those slots are awarded through a lottery. And so we do the informational meeting in December and then um, applications go live in January. And usually we try to have everything finalized at the end of March, beginning of April. Okay, well, you guys, this has been fabulous. This was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I've learned a lot. Thanks, okay. guys. Thank you, guys. Gracias. Gracias. Thanks. Adios. Gracias. Thank you again to our guest, Helen Nicholas and Carlos Gonzalez, for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to like and follow us and share with your friends and family. The PL Search podcast is powered by your learning journey. If you have a professional learning story you'd like to share, you can reach us at plsurge at cmcss.net. This podcast is produced and edited by the professional learning team in the Clarksville Montgomery County School System. In addition to today's guests, we would also like to give special thanks to all of those incredible teachers and support staff who are opening amazing new worlds of possibilities to their students. Thank you so much. Hasta la próxima, sigan aprendiendo y sigan viajando. Until next time, keep learning and keep journeying. De esto, tú comes un pájaro. ¡Oh! El día de acción de verdad.